Hey, thank you for worshiping with us, and it is great that we're all together right now. Make sure you comment now, even during the message. If something pops up to you, you comment and you put it out there. It'd be nice for us to have some interaction together. So what are you thankful for today? You know, it's been a different year, and normally when we come to this time of year, we look back at what God has done and we thank him for all the gifts that he's given us over the year. Well, I'm going to give you a few things I'm grateful for right now. Three, number one, uh, I thank God for my wife, Lisa, and for all of our kids. Um, I'm so blessed. And the Bible says, you know, happy is he whose quiver is full of children. Well, guess what, folks? That's, that's me. So I'm grateful for that. Also this year, thankful for um, my secondborn, Bethany, and her redemption story and then her wedding uh, in October. We're just so proud of what God has done in her life and excited for uh, her future with her new husband, Matt. Thank my parents are still alive. We're grateful for that. And um, for Lisa's mom's health, we're thankful for that. So for family, we're thankful. Number two, uh, I'm thankful for you. And it's one thing I'm missing in this whole room right here as I look around. And it's what I love the most about the church. And it's you. And I, I'm thankful. Um, you, you've had to go through a lot this past year. And um, there's been so many different things. And even with COVID and service adjustments. And, and then even today, just flexing to stay home and allow us to do this forum. I'm just thankful for you. Please make sure you are all better and ready to go for next Sunday. Because I miss you already. And um, I'm thankful... Also with our ministry, you know, this, ironically, as unique of a year as it's been, 2021 is our biggest general giving year. And it's crazy even to think about it, but God has blessed this ministry through your faithful love and gifts to our mission, and we are so thankful about that. And, um, and as we get close to the end of our year, I know we have a little bit more to make up, and even this Sunday not being together and only having online giving, that may even change some of our giving dynamic. But every, we're, we're looking to do something special, even with the overage of money we may get this year. We want to make sure our mission gets accomplished more and better, whether through us or through our missionaries or another ministry. But we want to bless someone this year. So we want to talk to you a little bit more about that as we get close to the end of the year with you. Number three, and obviously the greatest one, we're thankful for Jesus. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, and here's what the psalmist says, so I don't want. We are thankful for Jesus and that he is the shepherd. He gives us peace, like he makes us lie down in green pastures. He takes care of our provisions. He leads us by the still water. He restores my soul. And then the text goes along, you know, he leads me in the right paths for his namesake. And even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Because of his presence, he's with us. His rod, his staff, they, they comfort me. And he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So friends, we're thankful for Jesus Christ. And I hope you are today too. If you are, just pop something in those comments. That you love Jesus, that you worship him, that you enjoy him, that you praise him. Maybe put in some words of a song, but let's circulate that together as we're online together. So today I want to take us to a smaller and 
not much explored book. I don't even know if you've gone through this book of the Bible before, but I'm taking a break just today from 1 Samuel and our study on David to go to a little red book in your Old Testament called Hosea. Hosea. And so if you want to get a jump start to Hosea chapter 2, grab your Bible, go there. If you have your phone or your device, um, you can go to Hosea chapter 2. And as we go there, while you're looking that up, let me just share a few things with you so that way we're all on the same page. Hosea was a, a prophet, he's called in the Bible, or a teacher. And so he, his conversation, his teaching was to the northern kingdom of Israel. And the northern kingdom of Israel, at this time, they were wandering from God. They were growing their affection for other things. For someone else beside God, they were growing their affection for other gods and other objects of worship. And so, you know, this is what Hosea was connecting with. This is what he was approaching them about from the Lord. And I know it's kind of hard for us to put ourselves maybe in the thought of God or the feelings of God or the experience of God. What did God experience when these people walked away from him, when they were giving their affection and their attention and their loyalty to other gods, what would that be like for God? Well, let me just tell you right now. God did an amazing analogy with Hosea that gave a vivid picture and also communicated the same feelings that God has and he did that with Hosea. Let me just show you what happened. So Hosea 1, verse 2, and here's how the text reads. It says, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go and marry a promiscuous woman. Literally, go and marry a prostitute and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land, Israel, he's saying, like an adulterous wife, Israel, is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So if you're wondering how in the world this relates to Thanksgiving, hang on for a few minutes. You're going to see exactly how it connects. So Hosea's wife, Gomer, he marries this prostitute. And as he was married to her, she had three children, and each of whom was named to teach Israel lessons about their relationship with God and how sin affected their relationship with God. Now, I can't go into all the details of the kids' names, but maybe in the future we'll do a series on Hosea and we'll get into that. But the first two kids were Hosea's. But here's where God taught a lesson to these people. The last child was not Hosea's. The third child that she had was from an affair, and we don't know who the father is, and quite frankly, Gomer may not have even known who the father was either. But all we know that after all Hosea did for her, after all of his love for her, she still sought the intimate affection and attention of others, and she cheated on her husband. This is the analogy God wanted to show how Israel, what they were doing to God. So if I were to ask you right now, and I'm going to ask you right now in your comment section there online, to describe how great God is. Let's just blow up the comments for just a couple moments. How great is God? Maybe put in your comments maybe an attribute 
or a specific quality or something that he does for you and to you. But how great is God? So go ahead and put all these descriptions and terms in there. And I'm sure at the end of all of this that we're doing online, we would come to the end of our discussion and we would realize there's just no one greater than God at all. No one even comes close to who God is and what he does for us. Well, then the question comes to mind. If God is so great, how can we love anyone else? If God is so good, how could we be drawn to someone else? If God is all we need, why would we ever cheat on God? This is the question that Hosea is asking of Israel. And he did it through his relationship with Gomer. So as you're in Hosea chapter 2, there's some back and forth between God and Israel in this passage. I just want to focus for a moment on the actions of Israel and how God viewed them and mentioned them to them. So here's the main truth of what we're going to talk about. And here's where Thanksgiving comes into all of this. Thanksgiving is at the root of faithfulness. Let me say it again. Thanksgiving is at the root of faithfulness. So here's the verse I want to read for you. It's in Hosea 2.2, and it begins to reveal a little bit of what Israel was doing to God. So it mentions this, rebuke your mother, rebuke her. Now imagine why he says your mother. It's just like an ex-husband says to his children. Tell your mother. And so this is exactly what God is saying about Israel. He, he is detached from her. Their relationship is strained. And so he says, rebuke your mother. Rebuke her. She's not my wife. And I'm not her husband. He's saying this of Israel. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. So this statement helps us understand right off the bat, Israel was flirting with idolatry. They were flirting with other gods. And speaking as though the nation of Israel was a woman, it uses this analogy she has the look of a woman trying to gain the attention of another. She's, she's flirting with another that's not her spouse. You know, she has that look. She's shifting her eyes. She's making eye contact and then looking away. She's sending out the signals. Signals that she's not fully loyal to her mate. Signals that, you know, I'm, I'm interested if you are. Um, signals that she could be easily persuaded to leave her husband, to go with you. And then she goes even a little bit farther. She, she gives some advertisement, as you can see in the text, of, of who she is and what she has. And this is a reference in the text that she's no longer just having this look of adultery, but rather she's now trying to draw attention to herself and she's advertising herself in this way. So here's this nation of Israel. Israel is called by God to be his own. And he poured out his love and he poured out his favor on her. 
He delivered her from adversity and from slavery. And now, after all of what God has done, Israel is flirting with temptation of going to another. And they're not only flirting, but they're advertising. They're showing that they're out there and they're, they're ripe for the picking. You know, um, this goes a number of years ago. I was shopping. It was on a Friday evening. And Lisa gave me a, a list of a few things to pick up at the grocery store on my way back from church, and so I did. And I even have what I put on that list right here. It was eggs, milk, coffee, tea bags, and ice. That's, that's what I had to pick up for our Friday night at home. So I went through the checkout, and there was this guy, and he, he bags the stuff up, and he scanned it. And so he says to me, um, is this all, sir? And I said, yes. And then, um, <clears throat> is that credit or debit, sir? I said, well, it's debit. You want your milk in a bag, sir? I said, no, I, I'll, I'll carry it. And then he says this, so you're hitting a big party tonight. And, of course, I, I just looked at what I bought. Eggs, milk, coffee, tea bags, ice. I'm thinking in my head, a big party? Like, uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm thinking. Then he repeated again. Here's what he said. It's Friday night. And he goes, a big party with the ladies? So I replied to him. I said, well, the ladies at my big party are my wife and five daughters. And it was interesting to see, uh, he just, he said uh, out loud, he goes, oh, that, that kind of party, kind of disappointed. But you know, I, I knew and know where my loyalty is. But Hosea, by inference now, Israel had forgotten theirs. Israel had forgotten God's generosity. Here's where Thanksgiving comes around. And so here's where I need to connect with you right now. They forgot what God did for them. Look at verse 5 in chapter 2. Once again, God says, Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. So notice this phrase. She says, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. So here's what Israel was saying. They thought that their lovers gave them what they needed. Food, water, wool, linen, oil, and drink. They thought that everything they needed came from the one that they were having this affair with. They thought that their lover was the one who was truly caring for them and all of their needs. Israel became enamored with the resources of the nations around them. And their desire for more and more and more turned in a move away from the God of Israel to worship. And they did. They worshiped whatever came along. They worshiped the other gods. And they felt that the other gods were giving them what they truly needed. Look at verse 8. Because here God opens this up even more for us to understand. And he says, she, speaking of Israel, 
She's not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her grain, the new wine, the oil, who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. So verse 8 says it plainly that the attitude that was leading Israel into adultery was an attitude of ungratitude. Because he says she has not acknowledged I was the one that gave this to her. I wrote down, um, there's a theologian, his name is Leon J. Wood, and he says of this passage, he says, here's the reason for Israel's unfaithfulness. The people didn't recognize that God was the source of all they had. Their grain, their wine, their oil, their silver and gold. What God gave them, not only did they not recognize God was in control of that and giving that to them, but they used those things even to worship Baal, to worship the false gods. And Dr. Wood suggests this, and I want to give this to you. Here's the big thing. Forgetting what God has done for us is the key ingredient to our straying from him. Connect with that. Forgetting what God had done for us is the key ingredient for us straying from him when there is ungratefulness, when there's no thanksgiving. That's key to us leaving him for what we think are greener pastures. Do you think that's true? Let's do a little bit of poking around the Bible for a moment. Do you really believe that a lack of thanksgiving and gratefulness for what God has done gets us off track to going to other things and giving our affection to other things. Let me, let me show you a couple other examples from Scripture that this is solidly true. One of them is Exodus 32, 1-4. to And I'm going to read for you, this, this is what happened right on the heels of God delivering Israel from slavery to Egypt. He he led them by the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. He gave them manna to eat, so they didn't lack a thing. God took complete care of them. And then when they they were um, out of Egypt and they were on their own, they ended up taking off their jewelry. They ended up melting it and they formed a golden calf and they worshipped it. And here's what Aaron told the people of Israel right on the heels of all of God's provision and deliverance. He said, Exodus 32, 4, looking at the golden calf, these are the gods, O Israel, that brought you out of Egypt. So how ironic that they've forgotten what God has done for them and put their affection to other gods. Here's another verse. It's Romans 1, 21, and And it's this whole idea of people forgetting what God had done and then they turn their affection to other things. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, catch this phrase, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened, ungrateful, unthankful, When we start to think that maybe what we have came from us, or it came from fate, or it came from other things, you know, those are the times in our ungratefulness that we begin to stray 
and look for our affection to be generated toward other things. And so as we finish up, let's just say this. It says the text seems to point to the reality that the greatest antidote to idolatry, the greatest medicine to idolatry is thankfulness. The greatest thing to ward off loving other things, loving other gods, worshiping others, is to be thankful for what God has done and to be grateful. Now, some of you, if you've been in church a long time, you'll remember this song from years and years and years ago. It's count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. That is the antidote for our affection going to something else that doesn't deserve it. So what are some of the things you can be thankful for? Here's the next thing we're going to do on the comments. What are some things you can be thankful for right now? I'm going to give you a couple minutes just to fill in those comments. What are you thankful for? Put them in there. Interact with one another. See what God has done for you even in this moment. And um, as you do, as you fill that in, I'm going I'm to tell you, this is 12 years ago. I remember talking to my dad over the phone. It was uh, two weeks before his 70th birthday, and I remember talking to him. I called him down in Florida, which in a couple months is a location that we probably all would want to be in. And I remember asking him, Dad, how are you going to celebrate your 70th birthday? And here's what he said. I'm going to celebrate it by waking up in the morning. And then he said, because every day I'm on the top side of the grass is plenty enough to celebrate. What are you celebrating right now? What are you thankful for? Put it in the comments. For your health? For forgiveness by Jesus? For your family? For shelter? For provision? You know, for how God has cared for you? and been faithful to you even in our times of unfaithfulness? What are you celebrating today? Because here is the ultimate understanding from this section in Hosea, and it's this. Because praise is poison to idolatry. Praise is something that will just douse out the fire of idolatry that can grow in our hearts. When we give to God, the gratitude he deserves for all he's done, it helps point our affection, our allegiance, our loyalty, our love to him. When we forget to do that, all of those things go elsewhere where they shouldn't be. So personally, right now, give God credit. Give him credit for all you have. And he's the one who deserves our worship. Give him credit for what he's done on the cross. For securing our salvation through Jesus Christ. Through his love for us. For giving us his righteousness in place of our sin. For giving us hope in place of our helplessness. Worship God for all that he's done. He deserves our gratitude. And then lastly, don't wait for next year for Thanksgiving. Um, let's do it tomorrow. 
And then let's do Thanksgiving on the next day. You don't have to do the meal every day, but we do need to be thankful. That's the greatest antidote to idolatry. You know, friends, this isn't what we're always used to in here. But no matter where we are, no matter what our experience is at this very moment, God's with us, and we can be thankful for that. How about we pray together and then have a great rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. God, forgive us for when we become ungrateful and point our affections elsewhere. God, help us to remember every day to be thankful for what you've given us and not to give our allegiance and loyalty to someone else, and especially not to take the credit for ourselves. You're the giver of the greatest gifts, the greatest of which is Jesus. Thank you for all that he's done. And we pray this in his name. Amen.